Hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. And there's a lot to be said for that, you guys. Um, thanks for listening. Isn't it interesting that we listen to podcasts? We're back to radio. We're back to audio, just spoken word, basically, pretty much it. You know, I mean, radio was more broadcasts. Podcasts are more specific casts. They're not broadcasts. They're not broad. Pod. They're private. Um, I think it was Kevin Smith and then Adam Carolla who had the first ones. I think. Shoot me an email. Shoot me an email. Correct me on that. Um, but it's interesting that we're back to podcasts or whatever. We're here for the first time. The point is we're we're back to just like this kind of simple spoken word form of communication and hopefully truth and growing to understand each other better as time progresses right on this mortal coil um podcast killed the video star kind of i mean pretty faces and fluff entertainment is still doing quite well thank you very much and will continue to be to a certain level i do think americans are getting a little bit sophisticated and being like yeah this is gobbledygook um right seinfeld is still watched it's very funny uh you know it's the number one scene show probably in syndication in the office both very funny shows <clears throat> you know joe rogan podcast is very good he's very good um so it's not like it's not like it's we're that much of a garbage audience um but i i man i like the podcast thing i would love to not worry about how i look and if you saw me you'd be like oh that guy doesn't worry how he looks but you you do worry you know you're concerned and upkeep's important but not obsession you know, I, Albert Einstein, Francis Coppola. I like that. I like that route, behind the camera type stuff. You don't have to worry. I'd hate to be like a morning news person or a radio DJ, and you got to stay somewhat relevant with a very weird mainstream, you know, bubblegum flavor of the week crowd. Staying relevant to bubblegum flavor of the week uh, clientele that that's got to drain your soul quicker than anything. I mean. Dick Clark. I, I just, I can't imagine doing that. Um, but I'd love, man, Einstein Coppola, just to be so smart that you've got a good career and not ever have to be consumed with worrying about looks, uh, which we shouldn't worry about anyway. Um, so this is episode 102, which was my apartment number on Plymouth <laughs> in uh, East Hollywood, I guess that would be, uh, Larchmont, Larchmont area. That was my apartment number. Uh, for a few years, across from Lucy's El Adobe Cafe. Um, and I think it's also the room in the book 1984 where prisoners go. And, oh, no, no, that's room 101. That's, yeah, famously room 101. And there's Cafe 101 in Hollywood, not far from Larchmont, uh, off of, uh, I think it's Gower. Anyway, listen to this. So in 1984, the book, it's room 101, and that's where they take prisoners of the state, you know, to cleanse their mind and that's where you go and your worst fears are manifested it's kind of like stay puff marshmallow type thing ghostbuster stuff where whatever's in your mind whatever you fear the most that's manifested that that comes to life you know um can you imagine your own mind is in control of what will torture you you, you talk about a gulag between our own two our own two ears that's it because you can't lie. You can't lie to yourself. You can't lie to your own brain. Um, you know, you can't lie. In, like if your fear is spiders or, or, or you know, um, 
the dark or heat or whatever your fear is. Um, you know, clowns, clown puppets, something like that. Um, scary dolls. I, I don't know, whatever creepy shit is out there. Like, I'm really, af- like, you can't lie and be like, oh, I'm really afraid of being made, to l- made love to to death by beautiful woman. I'm really afraid of that mind. So, so put me in that world as you lock me away in room 101. Um, I don't know. Would you be able to trick your own mind? It would take some gnarly kind of, uh, yeah, some meditation and just some Jedi, Jedi stuff. Or would the mind be like, no, we're sensing joy here. We know your biggest fear is, um, being naked at work in front of everyone or being on top of some high rise construction, uh, development site in new york in the late 1800s you know those guys they're way up there with just like no technology and they're up there just like they could fall to their death so easily and they're like dude dude just like gnarly men right but maybe that's maybe that's what humans were made to do is that level of excitement or risk or non-fear and we've just over babyfied ourselves maybe especially in the suburbs maybe white suburban american culture has i don't know or if your fear of sharks or, or close spaces, it's really a mind F, you know? But when you overthink, you create a universe that doesn't exist. When you overthink, you create a universe that doesn't exist. Uh, you just got to let go, right? Like that script, for instance. Write it. Get it out there. What a weird uh, segue into the sponsor. Script Pipeline, guys. Scriptpipeline.com. One word. Uh, no spaces. They discover, they develop, they promote, they film, they promote uh, film and TV writers, and that varies too. Online stuff, corporate uh, copywriting, you know, any of that type of creative stuff. You never know what genre or, or who's going to grab you, or who likes you, who likes your work, and then who likes you interface-wise. They meet with you for coffee, an interview, talk, lunch, dinner, drinks. And they're like, I like this person. I don't know what it is. They've got a ton of credits. I want to work with them. They don't have any. I want to work with them. Um, Script Pipeline does all that. They help get writers of all kinds repped and connected with the industry, showbiz industry. Uh, when you submit, you submit for coverage and possible leads to representation. All right. They give great notes and great strategic advice. So get with them. Get that idea into Script Pipeline.com. And they've got all kinds of people there that can do all kinds of consulting, right? Um, God, I wish, you know, I'd, I'd love to be in an episode or do stand-up comedy where I could say, hey, we got a lot to get to, but I've never had a lot to get to. I'd love to be on stage and be like, guys, we got a lot to cover tonight. Um, we're going to have a good time. I've just never felt that taking the stage, having a good time. I'm like, my, my attitude was, guys, I, I'm barely going to get you for half an hour. I'm barely going to make you laugh in the half an hour I have you. I would love to be able to go up and say, we're going to have a great time tonight. Knowing that, you know, the show's an hour. It's a Netflix special. It's going to be a great time. Or does anybody really have a great time at these specials? Or is it just so over so quick? I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I'd love that. I'd, we're going to have a great time tonight, guys. We got, I got you for an hour, a confident, strong hour. I've just never had that. I've got the material. I just I don't know what's lacking. Uh, I was in Austin last weekend. It went so fast. Um, and I started writing this kind of outline out for this episode then. It was Sunday night, but I was so spent. Um, I flew there yesterday morning, and I did two nights. 
And then I flew back to Orange County early Monday morning, and I had to go into work. So I went literally from work all day Friday into the night, working homecoming, exhausted, depleted, came home, crashed up early, really early to fly to Austin, slept on the plane, uh, got to Austin, went right to work in editing, edited all day. We crashed out. Um, God, we crashed out early. What did we do that night? And then um, we, we worked all day Sunday. And I got to go on a long walk and then uh, crashed out, wrote this and then crashed out early. That night, up early, back at work. It was crazy, man. Must have been how uh, real people have to live when they work in two and three jobs or, you know, they're immigrants or something. Um, that trip to Austin was great because it was all in the editing bay. We did all editing. We didn't have to shoot anything. I didn't have to be on camera. Really nice. Got a lot done. The hardest thing um, in any project in any project in any industry, I think, is just getting everyone on the same page and making sure there's gel, gelling going on, you know, uh, synergy. And even if they don't like each other, that their talents and skills, everything's like everybody's in their lane, their right lane, and and not uh, spilling over too much. But with Eric, my buddy who we're working on this, we do gel and we get along and it's great. We could just hang. We would be friends either way. Um, so it's fun and kind of sh- kind of getting our vision shared a little, you know, kind of kind of seeing what it is. Because um, you have the image in your brain, right? But you don't know how to relate it and you don't know how to put it on paper or screen. And the other person or people have their perspective of what it could be or will be. And you kind of have to smash them together come what may come what may but at the same time you have no idea what you want and the other person or people they don't know what they want and we're both like what are we doing we have no idea so you just have to spend time together uh in the editing bay or eating barbecue and sweet tea <laughs> um and you and you both it's a, like a band that's why these bands are amazing they as teenagers they learn to gel together right sure you got your alpha males your beta males your alpha females but whatever that crap is um and you learn give and take at that age that's that's invaluable man and if you have that in a band you should stick together and ride it out and just uh play together for your whole lives um you have to spend time together right you just have to be comfortable collectively with trial and error in front of each other in front of each other good sex life right in a marriage or or relationship you got to be comfortable with trial and error and maybe looking silly um Okay, where are we? Oh, we're a third of the way through. We have a lot to get to. Judy Tenuta, the great comedian, passed away this past week. She was great, man. I, you know, I loved her. I, I got to work with her once. She was lovely, you know, and, and she was, she come up in kind of in the 80s at a time when she was doing something so different. And even though it was different, it was funny. And it was seen by a lot of the mainstream. And you kind of knew who she was. And there weren't a lot of... Uh, opportunities necessarily for women in stand-up as you know as there are today uh there weren't as many outlets but she was still seen she was so good it didn't matter and i feel like if you got in before the mass network outlet expansion took place you were good for a lifetime you know margaret cho paula poundstone ellen rita rudner yeah a lot of women there men get enough note men get enough mention right so let's let's give a little shout out and Judy was one uh, of them. You know, she had the, um, the um, I can't even think of the instrument. Am I the, the xylophone? That can't be right. The, 
what was Judy Tenuta's instrument? Now I've got to Google this because I don't know. What a moron. Um, Judy. It was the... Uh, anyway, I got to work with her once at the Friars Club. Uh, instrument. Instrument. Oh my God, the dumbest person with a podcast. Um, shocked audience by dressing up. Okay. Uh, accordion. Jesus, what a dope. How's your vocab? But she had the accordion and she was just crazy and kind of big and loud, but small and cute, but big, loud voice. Um, anyway, those names that I mentioned, you didn't necessarily need to see or hear from them again. Joe, Poundstone, Ellen, Rudner, obviously Ellen had her show and then the talk show. Uh, but they were in your psyche because they hit you at a certain age. And, and again, they, there wasn't a lot of exposure back then. Now you can be on so many shows, so many avenues, and people have no idea who you are. I mean, obviously you can have a million, maybe even a billion followers, viewers, fans, friends, and people don't know who you are. But Judy was funny, and she stayed funny. Um, I don't think she was ever married. She dated Emo Phillips. He and I did a show together once. Great guy. Um, I think they dated but I know when she passed away last week, she was dating a man, a guy from Illinois. Um, and yeah, she got she's from Chicago. She got her comeuppance in Chicago, Polish, Italian family, Catholic raised. But funny, quirky, drinker. You know, I got to open for her about 15 years ago. It seems like forever ago. It was a show at the Friars Club of Beverly Hills. And I emceed it. And I think it was good because I was kind of the mainstream guy. And then she had two um, cross-dresser, gentlemen um one was came out as judy uh, garland and i think one was was it barbara streisand i don't know or was one liza minnelli i know one was judy garland and one was maybe barbara and uh and they did their thing and then judy did her thing and then there were other there were two guys that kind of carried her in two beefy buff dudes and it was funny because five it was five dudes we we're all about the same age but totally different like Two beef beef eater dudes, um, good looking gay dudes, uh, straight guys, and then the the two gay gentlemen were uh, were doing um, Judy Tenuta and I'm sorry Judy Garland and uh, Bet, and the two gay dudes were into the two straight dudes who were hunks, and the two hunks were dopes. I'm not gonna lie, they were not smart people, and they were just like the gay dudes were kind of working their magic on these guys, and uh, yeah, and they were just like, oh, gosh, thanks. You really like my biceps? I mean, it was just, it was kind of absurd and crazy to watch. And we were, I remember we were all drinking, um, She drank, we had brandy in the green room. She had a bunch of brandy and, <laughs> this is crazy, brandy and milk. And so we were all getting drunk on, like, brandy and milk drinks, like creamy, weird drink. Like, I could never do that now. Um, I mean, I could do the brandy part. Woof. But uh, not the Gionu, you know, not the, uh, not the leche, baby. Uh, and it was just crazy. And I was like, and when we, left, when we left at the end, we were all kind of tipsy and she, and there was like empty, it was an empty bottle or two of brandy and an empty container of milk. It was just insane, but it was fun as hell. And I thought, you know, I was, I was, I didn't have to worry about getting hit on again <laughs> by men or women, but, um, but Judy was great. And by the end she was tipsy, but we had a blast and, uh, her managers were there. You know, that was one of two times. Bob Newhart's manager saw me years ago, and they're like, we'd love to work with you. And then um, and Judy's said that, too, after the show. But 
I never heard from them again. So I never really trusted anybody that said they wanted to work with you. And I guess I should follow up, right? I should um, email them or find them and be like, yeah, you saw me, remember? I remember this one guy at, uh, well, that's happened a couple times, actually. A couple guys saw, and then you follow up, and you don't hear from them again. So I, I just don't trust that. So I don't know. You just try to be as business and professional. I'd love to work with you guys, too, man. Let's do something. Let's get something on the books. Oh, oh well, yeah, we'll call you. And it's like, well, don't, don't tell me you want to work with me. So there's a lot of that in that business, and you can't, you know, take it too seriously, um, fortunately or unfortunately. I, I like my word to mean something, you know, but uh, whatever. Uh, so yeah, we had homecoming last week at the high school I work at, you know, people gel in life at, oh, okay. Yeah. So Judy Tenuta, man, it was a great time. And I thought it would have been a good show, um, to go on the road with just kind of the straight middle of the road guy. Then you got your two good looking, uh, straight guys being hit on by the two gay dudes who do their thing with the cross-dressing performances. Um, and then Judy is just wild. And I thought, oh, this would be a funny movie. It's like a circus act. And I thought, it could be something. But that was our only show together. That's the only time I ever worked with her. Um, so, yeah, did the homecoming thing last Friday. But rest in peace. She's a great woman. Uh, homecoming last week. Um, you see different ages, man. You see people your age come. You see people 10 years younger and 20 years younger. And you just think that people 10 years younger and people 20 years younger know each other. You're like, oh, you guys are all younger. You must know each other. Kind of egocentric, I guess. But, um, you know, people gel in their lives at different stages, different times. And you see what homecoming, the dance does to the girls, especially, and the dresses and the tickets and how important it is to get a date. And none of it's important. I mean, it all is at the time, but but it's all, you know, horse shit. Um, but the pressure on females, especially, to peak from the ages of 15 to 18 is so damn high. And just, you know, as a species, we really have to, like, just kind of watch them and let them have trial and error and then watch them, you know, for when they go outside the lines, just say, hey, hey, you know, back in there and, and just let them mess up and, you know, be there with tough love and compassion. But Jesus, dude, I, the, the pressure these girls put on themselves is just crazy. Um, what I loved about college and beyond, it was nice to see people come into their own. You could tell going in like it was also it was nice to run into people from back home after high school come into their own. You know, they get a boyfriend, they get a girlfriend, they get a job, they get a little confidence, uh, they grow physically, um, getting comfortable in their own skin. Um, but yeah, that that was always nice to see someone who you never thought would get love or attention have that, and then kids and family, and you see it on Facebook. So that part's good. People peak at different times, right? And give yourself a break. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, the dress pressure for girls in high school is insane, and the date pressure. It's just insane. And I hope there's support communities around the world that it's like, it's okay, it's okay. Like, your time will come. It'll be a different, it'll come in a different way. Um, you know, you're, you might not all be on the 50-yard line uh, at halftime of the homecoming game. And you, you might not all get married. But, uh, you know, love yourself and the other shit. You'll be surprised what comes from that. You'll be surprised how much that takes care of. And then you can pick and choose your guy and how much, you know, do you want the full marriage? Do you want to see a guy? Do you want to see two guys? Do you, are you an isolationist? Whatever. So uh, what am I talking about? What's the podcast about, you guys? Um, God, and we're two-thirds of the way through. We have a lot to get through. I'm hitting, uh, I'm hitting the ships. I'm going on the ships in Miami tomorrow. 
This is Thursday night. I'm trying to do this Sunday nights, but man, it's uh, got to make it happen. I don't know if it matters. As long as I can come with once a week. I don't know. From there, uh, after Miami, two weeks, I get, uh, so I get, I go to Miami. I do a ship for a week. And then I either stay on that ship or get on another ship for the same tour around the Bahamas, Caribbean. I, I kind of need to learn the difference of those two. Because I think it's the Caribbean, actually. Um, so I'm going to circle that twice in the next two weeks, starting tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, one night in Miami. And then, um, yeah, and then the, either the same ship I stay on. I don't know, different ship. Uh, and then I go to Australia for a month and I hope I come back through Orange County for at least a night before I do that. So I'm gone six weeks. So that's crazy. Uh, it's just a weird thing. No matter how you slice it, this whole cruise ship life. Uh, the hardest part with these cruise ships is the transitions of getting on the ship, getting to the ship, getting through customs, getting through jet lag, the shows themselves or whatever, you know, you just get through it. Um, and connecting with the audiences, whatever, it sucks or it doesn't. But uh, the problem usually is um, getting to the ship, right? Getting on it. Once you're on it, you're good. You can sleep, food, you don't perform for a couple of days, you check in with the place. Tomorrow will be no problem because it's stateside. I'm still in America even though I'm flying against time. But uh, I don't have to get up early, which is good. When you fly, that's a good thing about living in New York too when you're trying to hit clubs. You know, you're in the Eastern time zone. So if you have to go to a show in Miami or Tampa from New York, no problem. Two, three-hour flight, uh, you leave at noon, get there at three. The problem with stand-up when you live on the West Coast is waking up. You got to wake up at six to get back against the country three hours. You wake up at six, you're basically leaving at nine on a five-hour flight, um, six-hour flight or something, which should get you there in time unless you're going through Detroit for some reason. But then you're screwed. That kills the day. And uh, it's just ugly, man. It's ugly. Going against time. So from New York, you can just, you know, you can hit Florida. You can hit Iowa. You can hit, uh, you know, Vegas, California. Um, but again, Friday, no problem. Stateside, you know, Orange County to Florida. Uh, when you fly internationally in a red eye, it kind of sucks. Yeah, you're just so disoriented when you get off. Um and you, you don't really realize the process the first few times you're doing it until you start nitpicking and you're like you could see areas where it can be more efficient the first few times i flew to lima peru colombia southampton england and it's just so many moving parts you know especially during covid come out with the shots and the you know the boosters and the um negative tests and you just, I expect it to go poorly every time. But then you go um, somewhere where it goes smoothly, the transitions, and you're like, why can't it be this way every time? It's the difference between the Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis and Comedy Catch in Chattanooga. Like, how does everyone get it in one market? How is a club so well run and everybody in the audience loves you in one market, and then you go to another market, another club, and nobody gets it? And it's like, something's wrong here, guys. Uh, management right how the club is run two completely different ways of managing and one is successful and loved by comics and the other one is is just i don't know very undesirable so anyway leave tomorrow um i you know i'd love to get to these places the night before 
and lodge. The, the worst is is racing back against time to get to the other side of the country and having to walk on stage. You get like an hour or two hours. Um, so what else here? Get a good night's sleep. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go to Miami tomorrow, sleep there, get on the get on the um, get on the ship on Saturday. It'll be great. You're not always getting on the ship the same time as the passengers. Cruises vary in length of time. Some run for a week, some two weeks, some a month. But um, comics are always on for a week, right? Comics are on for a week. Sometimes you, we catch the crew halfway, or we catch the passengers halfway through their trip. Um, but uh, we're on for a week. This is so fascinating. We um, we do a week, then we're transferred to another ship. Or if everyone else is getting off, comics stay on for new passengers. Musicians um, and others, they can stay on for multiple weeks. And kind of suck because the crew, the other crew, the other performers, don't always want to get to know you. You can see people question, like, mm, how much do I want to get to know this guy? He's leaving in three days. Um, but I don't care. I, don't, I really don't if nobody talks. I mean, I can go the whole week without any of that because i got books to read writing to do i can get online there's movies to watch there's all kinds of stuff ships to explore pictures and go on an off day go grab one or two drinks never more than two at some of these places uh i probably should in life get some companionship at some point you know i mean my god i'm moving toward like astronaut sci-fi level of alienation which probably isn't healthy like i wonder of it uh, I wonder how much of it is like self-preservation from like an early age and not just not wanting to entangle alliances worried that only responsibility comes with that and more like shit on your own plate. That doesn't sound good, but like just adding shit to your life that you just don't want. And I just don't want to take, you know, so it's kind of selfish, I guess. Um, just wanting something for me. Cause I give everyone like my time to an unhealthy level, which is something I need to work on. Um, and I just don't have more time to give to somebody that I, you know, and I don't want someone that doesn't want anything from me either. So it's kind of insane. Gulag between the ears. Uh, I don't know. So maybe it's like a childhood thing. It's so nice to be able to blame shit, like blame your grandparents too. Maybe that's why I've turned my back on anything that gets close to being real. Right, which kind of sucks. So I got to change that. I hope live, I live long enough to be able to see that out, see that through. Anyway, watch me pivot from a real topic. I talk about turning my back, and I'll turn my back on this uh, very poignant topic and go right into dun 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 Thursday night football. You know, I was just watching Thursday night football, and it was just it was another Thursday night thriller uh, between the Commanders and the Bears, uh, it, it, just like the Indianapolis Broncos game was last week that finished. I think the final score was three to two or something. Um, I mean, the finishes have been close. It's the games themselves that are the low scoring. Matt Eberflus, head coach of the Chicago Bears, used to play for my dad back in the early 80s for the Northwood Knights. Uh, very cool logo we had. We were orange and black, and the head of a knight was the logo. It was so cool. It was, it was uh, black darkness, and then the knight was... Um, was silver gray of course and then there was like orange in there it was just it was very simple but it was i loved it it was just kind of one of those things when you're mentally uh and developmentally out of reach so those kids who are just a little older like by a year or two and and everything you're just kind of coming into your own and it was just so fresh 
and those kids are automatically cooler in seventh and eighth grade so cool and they stay cool in our minds for a lifetime because it's such an impressionable time and no matter what they look like today or what they're doing 20 and 30 and 40 years later you're still blown away by uh, the effect they had anyway matt eberflus um he was on the team then i was on the fifth sixth grade team and i think i've mentioned this 20 times already on this podcast my dad was a coach at northwood eberflus was on the seventh eighth grade team so he would have been two two maybe three years older than me uh, my dad was head coach at northwood in the late 60s and early 70s it was a grade school um but we moved away and then we went back um to toledo and my dad went back to northwood and coached in the 80s with fred reese who was his assistant way back when and then fred was the head coach and my dad was an assistant for a couple seasons there when we lived there fred is my godfather eberflus played for that team he played for fred reese and my dad very interesting jerry keen um God, can you believe I can come up with 30 minutes of magic like this almost every week? Thursday night football and the uniforms, uh, skins and bears, really losing market marketability with people not being able to identify with their teams when you mess around with the uniforms, logos, mascots. I mean, these people, like, this is, what's like, this is one of the main things in some of these markets in their lives, and you've taken, taken it from them. It's crazy. Uh, I'm not talking about the Native American thing. I'm just talking about when these franchises move and mess with their uniforms and they just, uh, they change things up just to change them up. You know, it's just terrible. Uh, bears are playing around with their classic uniforms and they're coming out in like orange outfits that like carrot top. Wear. Like trying too hard to be into the new age crap right and every player wants every color in their uniforms now i mean you're losing the, your classic fan base your 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 trademark your rooted people cowboys packers they don't mess around with their their uniforms right these classic teams don't mess around the yankees don't mess around i don't like the yankees but they don't mess around with their uniforms man sc doesn't mess around bama penn state notre dame plays around too much with theirs michigan ohio state they keep it pretty simple although ohio state's thrown black in there a few times it's tacky the nba i don't know what the nba is right just like a new uniform every night and maybe i'm old and boring i mean not maybe actually i know i am but it's still absurd you have to have a recognizable product new coke in 1985 they abandoned ship pretty quickly they're like oh wow why, why are we messing around you think wheaties is messing around with their logo and branding disney are they gonna make goofy the face instead of mickey dr pepper you know uh americans are weirdly sophisticated consumers you know we eat fat crap salt sugar we watch garbage movies and tv but we also will move on if we sense something is fake it's it's weird i mean seinfeld was voted by TV Guide the best show of all time, accurately. And it's not even close. So, I mean, if, if they had voted something like Roseanne or something, you know, great, good enough show, but if that were voted best all time or, or you know, uh, something else, it would have been like, eh, it's some favoritism. But Seinfeld was so good, undeniable. I mean, you're off the air 25 years, and it's still on multiple times a day. It's incredible. MASH and Cheers were pretty much unwatchable three years after they were off the air i mean you could still mess around with a rerun but the office is doing well 30 rock was was good then i don't know if it's rewatchable as, as much as the office and seinfeld is all in the family i love lucy who knows different strokes cosby show family ties they were fine friends is good golden girls isn't bad got some good stuff 
but Seinfeld, man, just rolls. The point is, um, the show is voted number one, and even though Americans, we are dumb, and there is a lot of stupidity, and we're not as intellectual as we could and should be, that show still got voted number one, right? Not some fake manufactured Big Bang Theory or Reba or Tim Allen. And when I say that, I'd love to be on any of those shows and writing for any of those shows and working. Uh, I'd make them better, I'll tell you that. But when you watch those, you're kind of laughing. I feel like you have to work to laugh, like you're laughing out of obligation. Um, But again, I'd be on any one of them. So I'm sure plenty of those scouts are listening to this and uh, would love to book me and have me on. Oh, my God, we're at 32. Okay, wrapping up. Night Court was an amazing show. Uh, Three's Company was cheesy, but they made that work because freaking John Ritter was so good. Munsters must have blown people's minds in the mid-60s, throwing that on air. Gilligan's Island, those dipshits. I always wondered if they were off the coast of Florida or Cali. I think it's Cali, but Cali. Listen to me. I'm from here. I'm calling it Cali. I mean, but it was a three-hour tour. How did they end up all the way in the South Pacific? Like, you got a storm or no storm. Like, that's, that's some serious dipshittery to get it out there that far. At least off the coast of Florida, there was a possibility of various islands and different races that they could have run into that were within a three-hour striking distance. But, I mean, you've got them on Saipan, for Christ's sake, uh, you know, or Samoa or Tonga. I mean, this is absurd. Um, wait, you mean black and white television from the mid-60s in America isn't real? Um, so anyway, just stick with the old regime on some of these uniforms. God, you know, I was talking about loneliness and alienation. Not even loneliness, but alienation, which could be worse. Um, but uh, I am alone. I'm not lonely, as as McKenna says in Heat. But uh, yeah, so just stick with... I was talking about something real, and I went to the NFL. Stick with some of the old regime, young people, young society, some of the things, all right? Stick with some of it. Americans aren't that dumb. And maybe we are, and we just love familiarity in a lot of things. All right, is Glad Bags going to change the color of their yellow boxes? You know, is McDonald's going to mess around with their logo, the MCD type thing? You know, um, just you know, history had a lot wrong, but not everything. Leave some things alone. Don't change just to change it up. You know, I almost wish I wasn't brought up Christian so that when I defended Christmas trees or saying Merry Christmas, that it wouldn't be seen as favoritism. You know, just because I like the tree. I like the way it looks. It, it, if, if Christmas trees were Jewish, if it were Jewish trees and it was a green and it was that, I get it. You know, if it was Islamic, Shinto, atheist, I'd get it because I like the, the, the look of it, the vibe of a Christmas tree. Um, maybe in 50 years, I'll be like, wow, I was off. I didn't, I didn't like, yeah, I was, you know, influenced to buy those things. I didn't really like them 50 years from now, maybe 50 days from now, 50 years. That's ambitious. I don't know. I don't know, Paulie, you know, term exterminate. Um, but I know plenty of non-Christians in LA who are like, yeah, I'm getting a Christmas tree, you know, um, of all of all uh, walks of life, of all religious walks of life. Having said that, there's a great book out. Um, it's it's kind of about the invention of Christmas as we know it. It's about what Charles Dickens, with his book Christmas Carol, did for Christmas. It really launched it. It really did a marketing favor for Christmas. Before that book, Christmas was not even close to what it would be after. That book was probably, I'm going to guess, 1830s, 1840s. After Moby Dick, is that's about when Dickens hit his stride, right? Um, 
I'm comparing it to Moby Dick, which is an American novel. I don't know why I did that. Just my own mental time frame. Uh, but yeah, what that book did, Christmas Carol for Christmas, it launched it, baby. It launched it. There's cops coming to arrest me for this podcast. Can you hear that? I don't know what you can hear and what you can't. This mic is so good. I should do an ad for this little mic. It's a uh, Samsung, of course. I was way on. Um, but yeah, it launched Christmas. Then Coca-Cola and Santa Claus combined forces, and it was game over, man, because he was in a green suit. Santa was green, baby. That totally got hijacked. Coca-Cola got in there, and uh, they did their thing, man, and they all tied in together, Christmas, Coca-Cola, Santa Claus. Um, and these things take on a life of their own. They take on a life of their own. Okay, I can't imagine anybody still listening. Hopefully you're asleep soundly by now. Uh, I'd like to get another one out in a few days, but I don't know. I'll be on the high seas for six weeks, so I'll, I'll do these when I can. Uh, check me out, right, on Keen of Comedy. Um, Keen on Things is this podcast. Go back and listen to old episodes. Uh, you know, I wonder, you just watch these people. As we watch the disparity in global wealth, just it's like, how are we still, with all this money, still having homeless and suffering and stuff like this? I wonder if I were really smart or really rich and at the top of the food chain, you know, the innermost circles of wealth and privilege and access. I wonder if I would care about people and society and earth. And I hope so. I hope I would. I can't guarantee. You know, you can go back and say, oh, I would have, been, I would have helped slaves. I would have helped, uh, you know, Jews in the Holocaust. It's easy to go back and say that. Would you have or would you have been scared shitless because your community's like pressuring you to go, no, 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 persecute persecute the native american like you have to shoot that squaw you know she stole food from your um wagon so she could feed her starving children because we wiped out all the men in her tribe now you have to shoot her and leave the kids you know and your whole social circles right there what are we talking about so i just i hope so i hope that if i were really smart or rich uh and at the top of all this thing innermost circles that i would still help and care Anyway, thanks for listening. Subscribe so you know when this comes out. King of Comedy on all social media platforms. Uh, rest in peace to Judy Tenuta and Angela Lansbury as well, who we lost, and Loretta Lynn. Three great queens, baby. Wow. I mean, three. I saw a great joke about how the queen died and they meet in heaven. And, and it's like, oh, I was queen of a, of a country. And Loretta Lynn's like, really? I was queen of a country. Isn't that great? Uh, all right. Cheers. Thanks for listening. I love you. This kind of went fast, huh? 38. Yikes. Love you. Bye.